أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Dear brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 13 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program We made it to page number 59 and so today we'll begin on that page inshallah Page number 59 has to do with the greatest punishment, which is not having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So usually, you know, um, as kids growing up, you know, we're always of the understanding uh, that uh, the greatest punishment, of course, is the hellfire and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, we're of the understanding that the greatest rewards of Jannah are the edible ones, you know, are the pleasurable ones and so on. But as was mentioned on page 51 as well, when we talked about Uridwanun min Allah, and we talked about how Allah puts a cherry on top of everything by saying that there's a satisfaction of Allah that, is a, that accompanies all the other um, blessings of Jannah. The same way we talked about that there, there's something here as well when it comes to Jahannam and the punishment. And that is a lack of, an absence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that uh, usually we're not thinking about. But the Qur'an does make mention of it here and there. And those who know, they know. So you know, as they say, if you know, you know. That's what this is all about. If you know, you know that the greatest punishment isn't necessarily the fire and the burning and all of that. What is it? It's actually not having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I want to talk about that a little bit after the verse, after we recite the verse. <coughs> so this is um, uh, Surah Ali Imran, verse 77. A'udhu <laughs> وَلَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ وَلَا يَنْظُرُ إِلَيْهِمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Those who sell Allah's covenant and their, and their oaths for a measly gain, there shall be no share for them in the hereafter. So number one, there's no share for them. Number two, and Allah will not speak to them. Number three, nor will He look at them on the day of resurrection. And finally, nor will he purify them. So these are all the things that have to do with Allah. And there is a painful there is a painful punishment for them. So in addition to all the other punishments, there are these things that are happening as well. Um, in addition to the punishments of the Day of Judgment, there are these things that have to do with Allah that a person is going to be going through. Now let's talk about that a little bit. This reminds me of that famous excerpt in uh, Dua Kumail. Where Imam Ali السلام, in that dua he says that Habni Sabartu Adabik Sabartu Harinarik and all these things. Meaning if I were able to uh, if I'm able to you know bear and tolerate and be patient with the heat of your fire or the pain of your punishment. 
How can I be, how can I bear being separated from you, O Allah? Okay, so someone like Ali salam understands what is what this is and how bad this is. He makes it very clear that this is a this is the main problem if I am to end up in Jahannam. Right? How can I be patient um, from uh, when it comes to your separation? How can I be patient by by being deprived of seeing your mercy and things like that? Anything that has to do with Allah. And so that's the main problem, it seems, for these awliya. The problem with a person like me is that I don't understand how great Allah is. And so I won't really see this as, a, as an issue. Yeah? I won't see this as an issue. So let's let, let's talk about the wording in this uh, verse and draw uh, this big lesson from this verse of how Allah is everything on the Day of Judgment. It says, لا يكلمهم. So it says they have no share, of course. لا خلاق لهم. They have no share in the Day of Judgment of the good that's out there. Okay. But then it talks about Allah. It says, لا يكلمهم. Allah doesn't speak to them. You know what it's like? I want to give an example. Okay, so let's say your long lost love. All right, let's say you are a, a, a person who, for the longest time, you loved your mother so much, and for whatever reason, unfortunately, you've been away from her for a long time, and you eventually reunite one day. But then, uh, once you reach her, what happens is that she doesn't even want to talk to you. She's upset about something. She doesn't even want to talk to you. You're like, Mom, I've, I haven't seen you for years now. And those who are younger, you know, they might be able to relate to this more because that's when we're even more dependent on our mother or father or whoever. And so we really love them so much. I'm not saying the older ones don't. I'm just saying because personally, um, I have experienced that as a child. Uh, not as a child, but when I was younger. Uh, to be away from your mother for a while for whatever reason because for example you've gone to um, another part of the world to study for example you're, you know, you're going to school somewhere and so just being apart from her is not easy right and so if that goes on for one month two months ten months a year and then after a year or two years you see her you really want to take her in your arms and, and hug her and, and speak to her and all of that now so think about it she doesn't want to speak to you after you see her after that long period of time. Not only does she not want to speak with you, but she even turns away, so you can't even look at her. Right? She turns away. Sometimes when we reach the Beloved, even if they don't want to speak to us, right? Um, the fact that we can see them, see their beauty, see their face, that at least has an effect for us to an extent, right? But think about it, that they, want to, they don't even want to look at you. Now all of this, is these are examples for normal worldly love that we have, which is not always bad. Right? The example I gave was my, my love for my, for example, mother. Right? But now let's talk about Allah here. <laughs> With Allah, we're talking God right now. God, we need Him. Especially on the Day of Judgment, where everything becomes manifest. True Tawheed, they say, becomes manifest. Everyone sees 
that their everything is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's how it was even when they were in the dunya, but there was a veil on them and they couldn't see this reality. But Allah was everything. Allah was that beauty everyone was after. Allah was that perfection everyone was after. So forget mother and father. There's nothing compared to the way we long for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. So it says Allah's not going to speak to them all of a sudden. Oh my God. To make it worse, he doesn't even want to look at them. <clears throat> he doesn't even want to look at them. And looking isn't going to just be your normal looking in this life where, oh, my mom isn't looking at me, she's not speaking with me. We're talking about when Allah looks, talking big stuff happens when Allah looks. Uh, once again, this is a hadith that I don't remember the exact wording, it just came to my mind now. But uh, it goes along the lines of how on the Day of Judgment or in the hereafter, people will be knocked out cold uh, in Jannah. All right? They will be passing out. Why? Their spouses and the Hurul Ain will complain to Allah that, look, my, my, this person is like just knocked out for the longest time. Why? Because you gave him a glance of your, I don't know, beauty, nur, uh, mercy, whatever it is. Something along these lines, brothers and sisters, of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everyone's longing for that moment of that special gaze of Allah, to gaze at Him, whatever that means and entails, of course. There's differences of opinion here of what that means, to look at Allah or Allah to look at you. But all in all, what we know is that some very extraordinary things happen when Allah looks at you. That everyone is longing for that. It says, "Wala yanduru ilayhim." The verse says, "Allah doesn't even look at them. He doesn't speak to them. He doesn't even look at them." Right? It, it's it's crazy. It's uh, another verse in the Quran. It says, "In these people that are in Jahannam, when they're calling out, Allah says, fiha wala Shut your mouth and don't talk to me. That itself is a punishment." Don't talk to me. All right, so that's two things that Allah, they don't have that regarding Allah. No speaking to Him or Allah doesn't speak to them. Allah doesn't look at them even. And finally, وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ Allah does not purify them. Think about it, brothers and sisters. Those of you who've been uh, on Hajj, not Umrah, Hajj, okay? Uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, in Hajj, Allah reminds us through the ihram, this is my take on it, that Allah is reminding me that look, this self of yours that you're so in love with, right? This physical you, this physical body that you're so in love with, you're so attached to, if I don't allow you to shower for like four days and you're out there under the sun, this is what it's going to be like. It's like a semi-corpse man, you know? You get all sticky and icky and stinky, right? And whatever other words that rhyme with those three, right? So um, you all your all you can think of really <clears throat> and can't wait for is to be able to shower with some nice smelling soap and shampoo, right? So in our in the Shi'i fiqh, you're not allowed to use uh, atib anything that smells good when you're when you're in ihram of the Hajj. Right, it's only after certain things are done 
and you leave uh, the ihram at least to a good extent, then you can now use thib, something that smells good. All right. So you can't wait for that moment. Think about it now, brothers and sisters. On the day of judgment, some people are reeking of their sins. They are filthy because of the sins, because of whatever it was, they, they, them turning away from Allah, ascribing partners to Allah, whatever, whatever it was. They are filthy and they just need to be cleansed. And they can see that the only one who can cleanse them is who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it says here, وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ Allah doesn't purify them either. So they remain in that filth of theirs. It's one thing to be punished. It's one thing to be punished while you're filthy. Okay, And so let us not take the blessing of Allah and the punishment of Allah, these for granted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest reward وَرِضْوَانٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest punishment if we lack Him and we are deprived of Him. لَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنظُرُ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ These three. Now, before I end, um, I just want to share one little uh, bit of poetry here, um, which illustrates how much, how important it is, how great it is for the mystics to have Allah look at them in a special way, to have Allah speak to them, or to hear Allah's voice, so to speak. Okay, there is a verse in the Quran uh, where Prophet Musa, you know, he has gone and he is in touch with his Lord. He leaves the Bani Israel for forty days. When he's on that Mount Sinai, um, speaking to Allah, it says that he said, "Qala Rabbi arani anzur Oh Allah, show me yourself. I want to look at you. <laughs> so it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting request that he has. Qala lan tarani, walakin anzur jabal. Allah's response is, "No, you'll never see me. You'll never be able to see me." But look at that mountain. If that mountain stays in place, then okay, you can see me. But if it doesn't, that means you can't. فَلَمَّا تَجَلَّ رَبُّهُ لِلْجَبَلْ جَعَلَهُ دَكَّوْ وَخَرَّ مُوسَى When Allah manifested to that mountain, the mountain was uh, it was destroyed. Uh, if I don't get the translation wrong here, and Musa fell unconscious. All right, so. Um, that's how great Allah is. So Prophet Musa is asking to see Allah. Allah says, you won't be able to see me. So now keep this verse in mind. There's some poetry here uh, that has been uh, said or, or written by uh, Sa'di, they call him. You, you all probably have heard of him. I'll read the Farsi uh, and then I'll translate it. And some, it's, it's interesting, okay? So it says, Sa'di says, Churasi sina arini magu begzar. He says, uh, when you reach, O oh Musa, when you reach the Mount of Sinai, right? Don't say arini, O oh Allah, show yourself to me. Don't say that and just move on. Why? Because it's not worth it. This wish that you have and this uh, request that you're going to make isn't worth it to hear the response of you shall never see me by Allah. You never want to hear Allah say you shall never see me. This is like the biggest punishment. 
So this is very nice. It's, it shows that these mystics, like they, this is how they see it, you know. That you don't even want to hear this ever. That I can never see Allah. No, no, what are you talking? That's like the, that's what my I am longing and yearning for. That is the ultimate goal to reach Allah and to see Allah. Of course, once again, whatever seeing him means, okay? I have to make this clear. There are different opinions on what it means to see Allah. <clears throat> so anyway, there is another a couple couplet here that we have in response to what Saadi said. Now I don't know who has actually mentioned this one or who has composed this poetry, but it's interesting and it really highlights the point I'm trying to make of how even anything that I can get out of Allah is worth it for me. So in response to Sa'di, someone else has said, some say it's Hafiz, but uh, I was reading somewhere that they're not sure about this. But anyway, that's beyond the point right now. That he says, Chorasi beturasina or Chorasi beturasina areni begu so the previous one said Nagu Vabigzah. This is Begu Vabigzah. Which means when you reach the Mount of Sinai and you know you're meeting with your Lord, say Areni. Say it. Don't don't it's not it shouldn't be the case that you don't say it. No, make sure to say it actually. <laughs> and then and move on. Say it. Why? Because I mean, why should we say it? Because he's gonna say you're no, you'll never be able to see me. Why should I say it then? Mind blown. Okay, <laughs> this is really nice. Says, ask ask for this, and you know he's going to say you're not going to be able to see me. But what are you going to get out of this? What you're going to get out of this is tosedaya dust veshno. What you should be hearing in response is not the words of lantarani. You'll never see me. For you to get upset about that part. What you should be focused on is I am hearing the jawab and the response of my Lord. He's speaking to me. I don't care what he's saying. Even if he's saying, you'll never be able to see me, fine. But at this moment, at least, I am hearing the voice of my Lord. Okay, once again, whatever that means. But that's beyond the point. The message here is such a lofty one. It's such a beautiful one. That uh, This is what I'm getting out of this converse, uh, conversation. At the end of the day, I am hearing his voice. That's all that matters to me. So these mystics, for them, it's everything to get a little bit from Allah, whether it's to see Him, whatever that means, or to hear His voice, whatever that means. And then the Quran says there are some on the Day of Judgment, they will be deprived of this. And that is the scariest part. <coughs> it is. It is so beautiful, and I know this lesson has gone on for a little bit, but this is a very important lesson. This is a very important point. When I say we want to get to the underlying theme of the Qur'an, the underlying theme of the Qur'an is this. It's that it's trying to get us to understand that everything is Allah and should be Allah for us. And the one thing that should really make us upset if we lose it, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'll end with this note. There's a in you know Persian folklore, you'll find the story of Layla and Majnun, or some say Layli and Majnun. Those of you who know, you know. If you don't know, you can look it up. But it's a love story between uh, Majnun, which Majnun means the the crazy one, right? The one who's like crazy over the love of Layla or Layli, 
I'll just say Layli because that's I think that's what we usually use in Farsi to refer to her. Anyway, the different stories about how he tries to get to her, and this is, a, of course, is a, it's not real necessarily, these stories, but there's a point in them. And they, they, so they're more like fables. Anyway, this Majnun always is, is always trying to get to Layli, his beloved. Okay. Now one time, Layli is, uh, if I remember the story correctly here, and forgive me, those of you who know the story better than me, but all in all, it goes like this, something to the effect of how Layli was once, you know, giving out, um, you know, pouring water for people in their um, clay jugs uh, or containers that they had. And so everyone's lined up and she's pouring water for everybody and they're going. Majnun gets in line too. And uh, what, he, what he does is, he's also in line and Layli apparently isn't too fond of him or too attracted to him, but he's really attracted to her. And so when she sees that he's in line, she goes and takes his clay pot or clay container or whatever and smashes it to the ground and it breaks to pieces. And people are like, Yo, Majnun, what's wrong with you, man? She's, like, She's not into you. Like, just let go. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, he says something here, a line here. I hope I get it right in the wording again. Uh, he says, If she didn't have any inclination towards me, <laughs> then why did, out of all the people in this line, she choose me to come and take his container and smash it? Wow. So for him, even her taking his clay, uh, his container and smashing it, that itself is enough. It's worth it for him. It's worth it for him. This is how, and th that's what these fables are trying to illustrate for us, that this is how our love to the beloved should be, to Allah should be. That we'll take anything when it comes to Allah. And for us, the worst thing is to have nothing when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That should be our biggest concern. Really, really, we seek refuge in Allah <coughs> from such a, from such a grave, grave punishment. Page number 60. The entire universe is submitted to Allah. Are you? Okay. So, what we know for sure is that the heavens and the earth, the cosmos and the galaxies and the universe in its entirety, everything is working like a clock. And so there is a submission by the entire universe to Allah's command when it comes to the natural world, when it comes to the natural laws that govern the universe. Yes. And so let's talk about mankind now and if mankind also is making sure to do something like that or not. Verse 83 of Surah Ali Imran. It says, So is it other than the religion of Allah they seek while to Him have submitted whatever is in or whoever is in the heavens and the earth willingly and unwillingly and towards him they will be returned all right so 
we've covered this before as well a little bit um, on previous pages islam if I'm not mistaken um, this was verse uh, page 52 the lesson that we had on page 52 um, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there he explained how he explained how uh, we how the religion for him although there's a lot of different religions out there and everyone's talking about different religions and so on but for him what matters is Islam in the sense of in the sense of submission and how Islam in reality and at its core is submission. Now whether you are in Prophet Musa's time, you are Muslim if you're a Jew, or if during the time of Prophet Isa you're a Muslim if you're a Christian because that's the faith that you have to be submitted to, and if during the time of the Holy Prophet you are a Muslim if you have Islam. Why? Because submission to Allah equals taking Islam as the religion. So it all goes down to that. So this is something we talked about before as well. Okay, now, when we look around us, and this is what the verse is telling us now. So the verse is trying to encourage us more to be submitted to the will of Allah when it comes to embracing the true faith. When we look around us, we see that the entire universe is in total submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, you'll find the galaxies, the planets, and the, the orbits out there, the moons that are orbiting around their planets. Everything is like working so in, in such a fine-tuned manner. Everything is as if following the guidelines of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The stars, nature, the different the ecosystems, the oceans and seas and bodies of water and what happens in them and and then death and life and birth and all of these things and the creation of mankind and the, the development of the fetus and everything is like there's these tracks that Allah has placed and we and there are different trains that are running on these tracks. Can a train go off the tracks that have been embedded for them? No, they can't. The train moves along the tracks only. And so it's as if everything is placed on certain tracks in this universe and they're working and functioning in the same way that they're supposed to. All right, Whether they like it or not, willingly or unwillingly, there are some out there of the human beings that are following the command and will of Allah willingly. There are angels in the heavens who are, who are following the command of Allah. So willingly and unwillingly, there are things out there, everything is functioning the way it should, following Allah's command. So now, the human being, or the mushrikeen of the time of the Holy Prophet what are they after? After they see how everything out there is following and going by the command and will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are others out there who might be going by the command and will of Allah. And they know that there are angels out there that are doing the same. All of these things that are there that are going by Allah's command, still are these people who see all of this submission, are they going to still not be submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's the question. So, you know how Allah, uh, or you know, Let's say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the month of Ramadan, for example, if you're in like in a Muslim country, right? And that Muslim country, you know, is is going by Islamic law, you can tell that 
uh, it's safe to say that Allah, through the rules and laws that He has prescribed, He is setting up an environment in which it becomes easier for you to fast. Like people, you're not allowed to uh, break the sanctity of the holy month of Ramadan, for example, by eating publicly. If Even if you have a reason to fa not fast, you won't be able to just go out there and start eating publicly, right? And other things, you know, same thing. Like in, and then you find that the Muslims, for example, they will start decorating, decorating their homes. And, you know, nowadays on social media, you see that all the time. People are decorating their homes for the month of Ramadan and just creating that, um, that environment of Ramadan, right? So what does this do? This promotes the fasting, makes it easier for us when we know there's so many others out there who are doing the same thing. It motivates us, uh, kids who are young, some are just baligh, some haven't even turned baligh yet. They want to. It's cool to fast for them. Isn't that beautiful? All, all of this owes to what? The fact that you were able to achieve a nice Ramadan uh, spirit and environment and, 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 and establish that in, in the hearts of the believers. Alright, so this is how environment helps when it comes to making the right decisions in life. Alright, so now here Allah is reminding these mushrikeen, are you still after the religion, other than what re the religion that Allah wants you to be after? Which the core of it is Islam, of, which means submission. Which means you have to be after the organized religion of Islam now, because that is what Allah wants from you. To be submitted to Allah now dictates that you embrace Islam. Are you still not going to be interested in this? Let's just let you know. I'm just letting you know. Look around you and the whole universe will show you that it's submitted to Allah. So Allah is like trying to like get this, uh, it seems like you can say He's trying to get motivate these people. Like look around you. Everyone is submitted to Allah. The only time submission really is important though is when it is out of our free will. And as a result of that, we are able to secure the Akhirah for ourselves. This is where it matters most. And so Allah is not getting that from some of these people. He can't force them though because that's going to defeat the purpose. It's supposed to come out of their own free will. So look at how much Allah is trying to motivate them by saying, look around you, everything, all you see is submission. Now either this submission is unwillingly because that's how things have been created. Whether you like it or not, if you're a baby elephant, you're going to grow into a full-grown elephant. You're not going to grow into a giraffe or a monkey. <laughs> Sorry. As much as little elephant would like to be a monkey when it grows up, yeah, it's not going to happen. Right? Everything has its own function. Everything has its own train tracks, so to speak. And so everything is in submission, either willing, unwillingly, or even there are people out there, angels, that are willingly submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't you want to be part of all this? This whole system of submission to Allah? I really like these verses that talk about how the creation in its entirety is submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So join the team, guys. Join the team. And uh, why wouldn't you want to be part of this? When number one, everything is submitted to Allah. And number two, look at the end of the verse. It says, وَإِلَيْهِ يرجعون. And everything is going to go back to Allah in the end. So why not be submitted to Allah when you're going to be returning to Him just like everyone else is going to be returning to Him. Page number 61.
what if I don't choose Islam as my religion though? Okay, so now, till here, page 52 and just the previous page that we had, which was page 60, um, they were talking about how you're missing, what you're missing out on, okay, if you don't embrace Islam as your faith. If you're not embracing Islam as your faith, according to page 52, yes, uh, you are missing out on submission to God. According to page 60, you're not part of this whole system of submission to God as well. You're missing out on this, okay? While religion in Allah's eyes is submission. Sometimes it's during Prophet Musa's time, Judaism. During uh, Prophet Isa's time, Christianity. During Prophet Muhammad's time, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Islam. But now Allah takes a step further. And we can get a lot from this. What happens? What's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, I'm, I'm missing out on submission. Is that the worst thing that can happen to me though? What if I just feel better if I choose another religion? Or I don't have a religion, but I just you know love you, oh Allah. How's that going to work? What's the worst that can happen to me? Let's recite the verse and then discuss it. Verse 85 of Surah Ali Imran, it says, وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِ غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْهِ وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Should anyone follow a religion other than Islam, it shall never be accepted from them. And he will be among the losers in the hereafter. This person had the chance to uh, be able to make some serious gains for the Akhirah. But now is going empty-handed and that is the problem, brothers and sisters. The problem is not that, oh, I'm not, okay, submission, I don't have submission. Okay, I still have Allah though. Like I can, I can do the things the way I want and the way I like and not be submitted to Allah. Okay, I'll, I won't be submitted to Allah. What's, I still have Allah, right? No, 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 no. If you're not submitted to Allah, what happens is you don't have Allah anymore Himself. Okay? And as a result, you have nothing on the Day of Judgment. Allah will not accept from you anything other than Islam. Now, some people in the world today, they don't know the truth hasn't reached them or Islam has been distorted. Uh, in their eyes, misrepresented to them. And so they're not convinced that Islam is the true faith. That's a different story. This is talking about, you know, the mushrikeen of the time of the Prophet, for example, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, that just for whatever reason, just because of personal interest, they didn't embrace the faith. They know Islam is the right faith, but they want to do things their own way. Allah says, I'm not going to accept it from you. So what happens is, that you are going to be empty-handed. And that's why you're going to be one of the losers on the Day of Judgment. When you're empty-handed, when something's not accepted, it doesn't matter how nice it looks even, right? Have you seen uh, Canadian dollars, brothers and sisters? Ooh, they look so much better than the U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar is pretty boring, actually. They're all green all the time, you know? Just one color, different people's faces on them, different numbers on them, right? And everyone loves the one that has the number 100 on it. All right, so... But they're, they're, they're ugly compared to uh, the Canadian dollars, right? 
Canadian dollars are all different colors and they're made of this interesting material, kind of like plastic and it doesn't rip that easily. It doesn't fade, you know. We've got, you know, we all, we all have those uh, dollar bills at home where they're all faded and torn and worn out and just absolutely depressed, man. <laughs> some of our dollar bills are, are, are depressed. They need some uh, antidepressants or something. That doesn't happen to the Canadian dollar. Those things look nice. Look it up. Google it. But no matter how look how good it looks, if someone says, "You know what? This looks nice. I want to I want to collect these." But then they go to some grocery store and they want to buy something, it won't be accepted from them. Sorry. We don't accept this currency. Too bad. So that's why on the day of judgment they're going to take whatever they thought was the right thing to take with them as currency. What happens is Allah doesn't accept from them. It won't get accepted. And when it's not accepted, you can't do anything. You're empty-handed. When you're empty-handed, you're one of the losers. Mr. Uh, I have Canadian dollars loser. This is, a, this, is a, this is America. We don't use that. Or vice versa. You're in Canada. You want to use U.S. dollars. Well, it might work actually, I think. I think they take U.S. dollars there. But yeah, you can't use the, I don't know, like the British pound in America or the, the Canadian dollar in America, sorry. We don't care if you have so much. This grocery store just won't take it. Alright, so now um, I want to give an example of why this is the case, although this is not a good example for Allah, but it kind of, you know, gets us to understand that, okay, He has the right to do this, to not accept it. Brothers and sisters, if she likes roses, why are you going to get her daisies? Right? Think about it. The wedding anniversary is around the corner. You know she likes roses, Habibi. Like, what's wrong with you? You go and you buy a whole bunch of daisies and you're like, you know what? I want to mix it up this time. You know, just like the Canadian dollar thing. This one looks like different. Now you're out of time because wedding, wedding anniversary has arrived and she's expecting the flowers. And then you, you're like, uh, Habibte, here you go. And you take out those daisies. And for some weird reason, she's allergic to them. She starts sneezing. She takes them daisies and she stuffs them down the trash can because she doesn't want to sneeze all day on her wedding anniversary. right? I don't even know if that's a thing. Can you be allergic to daisies or not? Just an example. If this is what she wants and she's made it clear to you before and you know you get her the roses, man. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it clear. He said it on page 52 and 60. And throughout the Quran, you, you know that this is the case. Islam. I am I want you to be submitted to me, and now to be submitted to me equals for you to embrace Islam, the religion of Islam. So then you go on the Day of Judgment, you're like, Oh Allah, I am here and I have with me, not Islam, but some weird uh, idea of, I love Allah, but I don't believe in organized religion. I believe in Allah, but you know, I don't need to pray because I'm always remembering Allah. And so will this be accepted? Well, if you knew the truth and yet you still did something like this, you know, some people have their own relationship, quote-unquote, with God. You know, I have my own relationship with God. Alright, let's see you take that relationship 
and let's see if that's going to you know, get you anything on the Day of Judgment. If you knew Islam is the right way to go and you're like, no, I have my own relationship, well, let's see how that's going to work on the Day of Judgment. Here it says, Anything other than um, Islam is just not going to work with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't matter how good you feel about it. Just because you feel good about your relationship with Allah doesn't mean it will be accepted. Yes, if you have a good relationship with Allah within the framework of Islam, that is beautiful. That, why not? Why shouldn't um, that be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, Allah will accept that for sure. And so this is where we have to be very, very careful in how we approach things when it comes to Allah's satisfaction. We don't want to go on the Day of Judgment with hands full of the Canadian dollar, so to speak, only for things to turn out such that uh, only the U.S. dollar is accepted. This is just an example, of course. All right, page number 62 says that big things come at the price of detachment. Yes, once again, one of uh, the... One of my favorite verses. <laughs> so if you remember, brothers and sisters, before this on page uh, 45, we talked about how Allah says in the Qur'an, give of the good things that you have, the pure things. Of the pure things that we've given you. Why are you going to give your trash to people as charity? That's not how it works. In this verse, it goes a bit further for those who want special rewards. So we'll talk about that, inshallah. Verse number 92. You will never attain righteousness. Bir. Now, of course, there is um, there is a difference of opinion what bir means here exactly. But for me personally, I'm just going to say righteousness, a rank that Allah refuse, uh, refers to as bir. So we'll just say the rank of righteousness. You will never attain righteousness until you spend out of what you hold dear. And whatever you may spend of anything, Allah indeed knows it. So on page 45, what we talked about was how, okay, the bare minimum is when you're giving something, give something that's good. Don't give trash. Alright? And of course, sometimes one man's trash will be another man's treasure. I know that that's a rule. Sometimes even some of the raggedy stuff I might, I might have, instead of discarding it and just throwing it in the trash can, maybe someone can benefit from it. That's fine. I understand all of that. But all in all, the point that was made there was, make sure you give of the pure things as well, okay? Of the good things. Don't just always give raggedy stuff that you were going to throw away anyway. And that verse said, don't, it, 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 don't give stuff that you yourself kind of have to like hold your nose or close your eyes when you're taking it. If you remember, that was the wording of the verse. So that was the minimum. But then there are some people who want to get really close to Allah. Okay, for them... It gets uh, a little bit. There's a, there, there is gonna, there are gonna be some more conditions. You want to reach the level of bir in Allah's eyes. That this is a person that has bir. This is a person that is righteous. Okay, if that's the right word to use for bir, 
uh, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that bir, um, that's the word that they use for it. Hopefully it gets across what that word is trying to say. If you want to reach that, we have to. We, we're going to go have to go a step further and make the sacrifice a little bigger. Because the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger the reward. You want to give something to somebody, right? Make sure if you want to reach bir, to make sure to give of that which is dear to you. Mimma tuhibun. Why? Let's think about this a little bit. Why? <clears throat> When I love something, I'm attached to it. This is my take, brothers and sisters, on this. When I love something, I am attached to it. I want to bring Allah and put Him in the place of everything that I love, actually. And so this is a spiritual training for me. That there's some things out there that are dear to me that I will give in the way of Allah as a result, I have detached from that thing that I love. And when I detach from that, and I'm doing it in the way of Allah, what's going to come in place of that thing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah. Now, I do have to open a parenthesis here. Sometimes you really like something and you're attached to it even, and you need it though for your life to function properly. Alright? You love your new phone. Yeah, but you need it also. Because your old phone was getting you in trouble because it kept freezing and restarting and wiping out the uh, uh, wh your WhatsApp history that you need to keep, right? So, I mean, sometimes you need things and all that. We need to keep a balance, of course. This this doesn't mean that you give everything away, right? Although our Imams have been narrated to do, to do that sometimes. Imam al-Hasan, it's famous that more than once he gave away all of his wealth or a good chunk of his wealth at least um, in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, but anyway, that's them, and we all know each case is different, each person is different, each person's life and circumstances are different. So the balance is very, very important here. But at the end of the day, sometimes we c there are things that we can give in the way of Allah, yeah, and it's going to be hard because we have to detach from it. Well, that hardness due to detachment is exactly what we're after. That is what righteousness is all about, detachment. Okay, and so God comes in and takes the place of this person, of this thing, excuse me, that you have detached from and you have given and gifted in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you haven't made too much noise about it either because then that means that you are asking for others to take its place, not Allah to take that thing's place. All right, so that is one thing. Another thing is that when we give in the way of Allah to give with honor. One of my friends who was close to Ayatollah Jawadi Amuli, he says that uh, Ayatollah Jawadi says that if I'm going to give someone a gift of like, let's say, for example, $10, okay? This is just an example, brothers and sisters. He says, if I'm going to give a gift of $10, even if it's going to cost me like $5 to buy a nice envelope to put that $10 in, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give, it'll cost me $15 in the end altogether, but I'm honoring that person. Instead of just giving them the $10 bill, hey, here you go, this is a gift. No, I'm going to give, that, give it to them with honor. And so that's how far he's willing to go. That he's, gonna, he's so detached from whatever it is of this dunya that he has, 
that he's willing to spend from it when he's giving from it already, spend extra from it to make sure that this is given with dignity and honor to that person. Look at that. It just shows how far these people are to, willing to go and how detached they are to do such. You know, it's like when you want to make a donation to an organization and they have a PayPal account and then PayPal says, hey, this donation you want to make, like a hundred bucks, you know, would you like to give it uh, the hundred or you want to give a hundred and, and cover the fees and give a hundred four so they get like the rounded 100. You know, that same uh, $100 bill we were talking about before, Mr. Benjamin Franklin. Uh, yeah, that one. So, are you, you want to do that? Some people will do that. I'm not saying those who don't do that is a problem. All I'm saying is, some people, they, this, is, this is how they look at it, you know? So Ayatollah Jawadi, he says this, it's beautiful. I really find it inspirational. Some people, you just give them something, some will gift wrap it properly, will make it nice, will do it in a way that that person doesn't feel bad, taking it from you, and so on and so forth. These are so inspirational, brothers and sisters. And this is why our scholars really are living examples of um, this, the, the tradition, the Islamic tradition. Um, but anyway, I want to share with you a couple examples also um, of how in the past, during the Prophet's time, وآله, people would hear this verse and it would have such an impact on them. There's a person by the name of Abu Talha al-Ansari. He, when he hears this verse, he had an orchard that was really important to him, really dear to him. An orchard of palm trees or whatnot. I don't remember exactly what it was, but like it was, there was a lot that was going on there. It was really flourishing. When this verse came, he gave it in the way of Allah. He told the Prophet ﷺ, I want to give this in the way of Allah because of this verse. Wow. Wow. It brings tears to your, to your eyes, brothers and sisters. These were the Salaf. These were the ones. This is what a Prophet does, brothers and sisters. This is what the Quran does, brothers and sisters. This is the, this is the people it trains. This person has put everything of themselves in this orchard. And he goes to the Prophet, hearing of this verse, goes to the Prophet and he says, O Prophet of Allah, I want to give this in the way of Allah. And the Prophet says, now that you want to give it in the way of Allah, I recommend that you give it in the way of the poor people amongst your relatives. If I remember correctly, that's what the Prophet said. I know the relatives part. He says, give it to the relatives. Of course, probably the ones who are in need of his relatives. Give it to them and split it amongst them. Subhanallah. Or the story of Abu, Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, which I find also very, very nice, what he says in this story. What happens is he has a guest once. And of course, Abu Dhar, he never was doing well financially. But he has like a couple of camels or a few camels. And so this guest that's with him, he tells his guest, go and you know choose one of these camels so that we can slaughter it and we can have a proper meal together or some meals together, I guess. This person who was his guest, he knows that Abu Dhar, financially he's not too set, you know. So he goes and chooses like the smallest, uh, skinniest one and brings it over. Abu Dhar looks at the camel, he's like, wait a minute, why'd you choose this one? He's like, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> uh, you're, you're a person, you know, you have need, you're in, you're in need, it's not like you're doing too well, you know, this will suffice. Abu Dhar gets angry. He says, go and get the fat one, you know, the big fat chunky one, go get that one. <laughs> 
and let's slaughter that one. Because why? Because he says, the day I die, look at this, brothers and sisters, look at this, subhanAllah, the day I die is my day of need, not today. You're looking at my financial status, you're like, oh, he's in need. I'm not in need. I have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wow, wow. SubhanAllah. Like the day I die, look at what, what the Prophet ﷺ has done to these people, how he has trained them and raised them. They are so immersed in Allah. He says, do you think I'm in need? I'm not in need. I'm not in need. Why? Because I have Allah. Man the levi, or yeah, if I remember the the uh, this saying, it's an interesting saying. I like it. It's a nice line. That says, I can't remember the Arabic. I'm sorry. That what have you gained? What has the one who doesn't have you, O Allah, gained? If you have everything in the world, but you don't have Allah, you don't have anything. And what is a person missing if they have you, O Allah? Yes. I don't, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to say مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي وَجَدَكْ فَقَدَكْ something like that uh, or مَنْ الَّذِي فَقَدَ مَنْ وَجَدَكْ and something like that I guess I don't know the Arabic it's it's uh, for some reason this is a line that everyone knows I just don't know why it's slipping my mind right now forgive me on that but what it's saying is that whoever has you has everything and whoever doesn't have you has nothing no matter how much they have right Abu Dhar has reached this point like the day I die is the day I am in need. Meaning what? Meaning I'll be in need of my actions and things like that. Right? Before that, I don't need any of this stuff. I have Allah, you know, and so on. I don't have to worry about anything. The day I die, yeah, is where all of us are going to really be in need. And that's what I'm worried about. SubhanAllah. And finally, there's a story that a lot of people have heard that Harun al Rashid's wife, she had this really nice decorated, embellished Qur'an that she would recite from. And when she came across this verse of the Holy Qur'an, she also, she gave away that Qur'an. She's like, this Qur'an is very dear to me. I'm going to give it in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just because she was the wife of Harun al-Rashid doesn't make her a horrible person. I don't know personally about her, uh, but uh, it seems that she was kind of uh, a pious person, it seems. But that's beyond the point right now. The point I'm trying to make is, that she gave that in the way of Allah as well. This verse is so inspirational, but I do have to insist and emphasize that we need to keep the balance. We need to also have our priorities in check, right? We have to know. Sometimes you might give something that's dear to you, but it's going to cause major issues for your family. Before you know it, your kids are leaving the religion. They're like, what kind of religion is this? It got us in trouble because he gave away the one card that we had. You know, we don't want to be like that either. We have to be careful about these things. A balance. And if we're not sure, maybe it's a good idea to speak to a scholar just to make sure that we're not, you know, doing things, uh, overdoing things and going overboard, inshaAllah ta'ala. Allahumma nawwir qulubana bil-Qur'an wa zayyan akhlaqana bil-Qur'an wa najjina minan nari bil-Qur'an wa adkhilna al-jannata bil-Qur'an Allahumma j'ali al-Qur'an lana fid-dunya qareena وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته